Hey, we are really, really glad that you are here. And just a reminder, if, if that's not an indication, we love kids at Hope because they have such a unique way uh, of capturing the essence of the Christmas story. We love kids. They're not a distraction from the main thing. They are the main thing. It was interesting. I was thinking about watching all the kiddos uh, up here today, and sometimes they can be a little distracting, but it depends on the way that you look at that. I had a young uh, dad email me this past week and say, Pastor John, I'm so sorry that we had to take our our kid out. He was, he was kicking and screaming and misbehaving during worship last week. And I am so sorry. He was right in the middle of your sermon. I'm so sorry. And I wrote him back right away. And I said, are you kidding me? We expect that because we love kids. So praise God that you are here in the first place. Amen. We expect that. So we, we love kids, and that's why we make them such a high priority with Hope Kids on Saturday night as well as Sunday morning here at 9, 15, uh, and 11. They have an awesome time uh, up there, and Candace and our whole team do a great job uh, with them as well. It is the second week of Advent, if you can believe it uh, or not. You see over on the Advent wreath, over on the candle, the first two Advent candles are lit as we head towards Christmas. We are in this season of Advent. We talked a little bit about last week about how do we prepare our hearts for Christmas. You know, I kind of asked you, what do you want for Christmas? And a lot of people are going to ask you the question, are you ready for Christmas? Are you ready for Christmas? A lot of times what comes to mind is getting our shopping list done or cleaning the house for the, for the relatives to come over or whatever it is. But are you ready for Christmas in your heart, in, in your soul? And I believe that instead of just surviving the holidays, what if God had something that he wanted to do in and through us? this season, during December, to not just survive the holidays or get, get through the holidays, but what if God had a different plan in mind? What if God wanted to reroute us a little bit from the directions that we go down, the ways that we get our priorities out of whack and our schedule out of whack? What if God wanted to refocus us these next couple weeks to get our hearts and our souls ready for Christmas? What if God wanted to reroute us of sorts. I can't hear that word and not think about the little British lady that lives inside of my cell phone. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever experienced this, the rerouting, right? Everybody say rerouting. Rerouting. It's something that we hear uh, a lot. This is just a recent story. Last weekend, my wife and I uh, drove uh, to see a show in Marion, Iowa. Has anybody know, ever been to Marion, Iowa, over by Cedar Rapids? Great place, great experience, really easy to get lost there. Um, and so we were actually going to see a Christian comedian, Yes, those exist. Some of you don't believe those exist, and you've been a part of church traditions where it's like, why are we laughing in church? This is serious business. Well, as we like to say at Hope, we take God and the gospel very seriously, but we do not take ourselves too seriously at all. Amen? So laughing and clapping are certainly welcome uh, here, but we were going to see a Christian comedian, and it was actually the journey to get there ended up being more funny than the show. Uh, and so we're driving along, and we're getting close. You ever gone somewhere new at night? And you have no idea where, I mean, we could have been in the middle of Nebraska or Wisconsin. By all. I, I had no idea where we were. And we were using the little GPS device on our phone. And it was telling us how to get there. And we got to this one spot. And I'm like, this just doesn't seem right. It doesn't, it doesn't seem. And so it's like, you know, my opinion as a, a stubborn, prideful man versus the satellites that are orbiting, orbiting the universe. And so I decide that I'm smarter than them. And I tell my wife, Tiffany, I said, I think we're going to go this way instead. She's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, 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 let's just try it. 15 minutes later, as we've driven past the same barn four times, she asks the inevitable question, guys, the question you hate to get asked, honey, are we lost? And what was my response? No, absolutely. I know exactly where I'm going, right? 
absolutely not. And so, you know, 10 or 15 more minutes of drive. It's kind of getting close to showtime now. We were going to go out to eat ahead of time too. We're losing time uh, as well. And so I think in our spirited Christian marriage conversation went something like this. She said, oh, dear honey, thank you for your confidence that you know where we are, but I think that you're a punk or something like that. And I said, oh, dear wife. Trust me, I know, no, and we, we went on from there. And it was like right in the middle of our heated argument, what do we hear? Rerouting, rerouting. And I love the little British lady that lives in our phone because she's so nice and she's so accommodating. It's like a nice, kind, gentle way of saying, you're lost. What in the world are you doing? Trust me, right? I'm going to get you to where you need to go, right? You're clueless, but that's okay, right? And this voice just keeps calling out to us. It's going to take a little bit longer, right? But I'll get you there. Because when you're lost, it's just perpetually saying, rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. And I wonder if this morning that's what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us as well. You have maybe made some wrong turns in your life. Has anybody made a mistake, gone down a road that you didn't think would lead to what it did? And you're like, well, if I could do that all over again in hindsight. We've all taken some wrong turns. We've all made some poor decisions. We've all gotten off course in our lives. And maybe today you feel like your priorities are all out of whack. Maybe you feel like your schedule's out of control. Maybe life feels like a mess. Maybe your relationships today, your marriage, your your, your relationship with your kids or your in-laws, maybe those relationships are not what you want them to be. And today I believe that God wants to reroute us through the nudges and and the, the, the Holy Spirit that wants to speak to us today to change our course from where we, the roads we might be going down this Christmas season and give us a new direction. So if you're lost today, if you're confused, if you're making circles in the field outside of Marion, Iowa, like I was, the Holy Spirit wants to redirect us and get you back on track. So the question is, how do we do that? Well, we go to God's word. Romans chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to open those up or your Bible app on your phone. If you need a Bible, there's ones in the bookshelves all around the worship center as well. Way more important than you need to hear from me today is we need to hear from God himself. Amen? So that's why we're here. Romans chapter 13. If you're new to the Bible, it's in the New Testament. It's going to be in the back fourth of your Bible, way back there. Romans chapter 13, and we're going to start in verse 11. So this is not your traditional Advent text. Some of you are like, why in the world are we in Romans for Christmas? Well, because it's all about love. And so we start in verse 11. Paul's writing to the church that he helped plant there in Rome, and he says, now this is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. You can sense this urgency in Paul's message. We're not playing around here, Paul says. We're not playing church. I'm not just giving you some good values and morals to instill in your children. This is the most important thing that you could hear. If you are off course today, If the direction of your life is not headed to a relationship, a daily relationship with Jesus Christ, hear the Holy Spirit call out to you today, rerouting, rerouting. Paul says, don't wait another day. And then he sets up this distinction of the different ways that we can live and the different ways that God wants to bring us back on course. And the first distinction that he sets up is that we can live in the darkness or we can live in the light. And I believe that's the first way that God wants to reroute us this Advent season, from darkness to light, from darkness to light. What does that mean? Certainly living in darkness is in in our sin and the ways that we turn away from God and the wrongs 
that we do. But I also wonder if a part of living in darkness are the things that we hide. The things, the, the isolation that you and I often bring on ourselves when we feel like we can't be real, when we can't be authentic, when we can't share what's really going on in our lives. And so what we do is we end up living in the darkness of our own sin and our guilt and our shame and our fear. And the reason I'm talking about this two weeks before Christmas is this is the worst season for it. And we don't talk about it a lot because we're in church and there's a whole bunch of cute kids and Jesus is here and it's Christmas. So how could anything be wrong, right? The problem is, it is. And the Christmas season, we struggle with this. I mean, you remember the song, right? I'm gonna attempt to sing here, so help me out, okay? It's the most wonderful time. I can tell it is. You're really excited, yeah. (laughs) Wonderful time of the year, right? Because that's the truth. What happens when it's not the most wonderful time of the year? Some of you are really hurting today, aren't you? Some of you, it's not the most wonderful time of the year. You are dreading the in-laws coming over. Some of you are stressed out. Some of you are trying to make ends meet at work. Some of you are still trying to find a job. Whatever it is, whatever you're up against. Maybe there's pain and broken relationships with parents or children today. Maybe while everybody else is going to gather with their family in a couple weeks, it's just going to remind you again how lonely you are. Maybe your marriage isn't all you want it to be. Maybe you're trying to make ends meet financially. Maybe you're struggling with depression and nobody else knows, including your spouse. I agree. And there are, there, thank you. Talk about awesome interruptions, right? We hurt and we struggle. And so when we live, part of living in the darkness is that we isolate ourselves. Maybe you're dissatisfied, your job, whatever it is. And the danger is, is that in the church, instead of being real with those around us, we do the worst possible thing and that's we isolate. We live in the darkness instead of the light and we end up making it worse. And maybe you've discovered this. It's kind of an interesting way to think about it. If you've ever discovered mold, where does mold grow best? In the dark, hidden. You know where shame grows the best? In the dark, hidden, isolated, when nobody else knows. And we start, it's really easy when you isolate yourselves and you pull away from community and you're struggling with whatever you're struggling with in your life, it's easy to believe those lies. Have you ever thought this in your own head? Nobody else understands. Nobody else could possibly understand what I'm going through. What if somebody found out? What if somebody at church found out what's really going on? Oh my word. What if somebody really knew how I was feeling? This isn't some hypothetical thing. In the last month, I've had two different people come up to me with almost very identical stories of relationship struggles in their life. One is in their marriage and one is kind of a a, a dating uh, relationship as well. And there's these relationship struggles and they took two different approaches to it. One stepped into the light, one ran further back into the darkness where shame grows, where fear grows. One came to me and said, this is what's going on. We're really hurting. We're really struggling. And they were already in a small group, which works wonders because you have a built-in community of people that know you and they share with their small group. We got them connected with a Christian counselor here in town. They're known. We prayed about it together. We got them help. Very different situation with the other individual that came. I was talking to him and I had, the thing is I hadn't seen him a while at worship. And I actually I literally ran into them at the grocery store. And it wasn't awkward. I was just like, hey, we missed you. And, and, and they said, well, things have been really hard. You know, I, you hear that phrase. Well, Pastor John, things have been really hard at home or at work or in this case in my marriage. And then comes the phrase. So we just didn't think that church was the best place to be right now. 
and my heart just broke. I didn't say this because I'm in public and I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be nice, but every ounce of me, my heart just broke. And I said, no, this is the first place that you should be. This should be the safest place that you can come and be real and we can be okay as a church with not being okay. Amen? This should be the safest place for you. Even if your life is messy. And if that's you today, if you feel like you're living in the dark, you have something to hide that you can't be real, instead of condemnation or guilt, hear the Holy Spirit calling out to you today, rerouting, rerouting, Step out of the darkness and into the light, into grace, into community, because in community and relationships, that's where the healing can begin. And you got to realize you're among friends, right? Every single one of us here is broken and messed up with our own issues, not as anything to hide, but as things to bring into the light. Made me think a couple weeks ago, I was uh, sitting up there before this service, hanging out with our son Caleb, who's getting ready to go to Hope Kids, and we were talking a little bit, of, and we've been reading in his children's Bible at home, we talk about Adam and Eve, and we talk about some of those Old Testament stories where they talk about sin. So this is a new concept for him at age five, and we're talking about sin, and he understands that he sins, and other people sin, and that's when we do things that God doesn't want us to do, and all those things, and he, so he's got that fresh in his mind. And so we're hanging out at church here, and he's heard me talk and preach before, and he's looking over the edge, and he's watching the room fill up with all the people. And I don't know how his mind went there, but he just started looking at all the people filing in. He goes, Daddy, is this where all the sinners are? (laughs) I was kind of taken back for a second, and I said, yes, Caleb, yes, it is. This is where all the sinners are. Here we are. That's where we are. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, here we are. Just tell him that right now. Here we are. This is where all the sinners are, in our mess, right in the middle of our mess, unless we forget that Christmas is about a Savior who was born to us, not in the Holiday Inn or the NBC Suites, but essentially a parking garage for animals, a barn full of animals, and spent his first few days in life in a feeding trough. (laughs) And we're worried about our lives being too messy to be a part of a church when our Savior was born right in the middle of the mess. Christmas isn't about putting on the mask and hiding whatever mess that you're in. It's about a savior that enters into your mess wherever you are. And it is absolutely no coincidence, I think this is God's sense of humor, that this week, you wouldn't notice it right now because our facility and production team do an amazing job getting this place ready for worship every week. This place was a holy mess this past week. You may not notice this. You've been away for a while. You may not notice this. I'm standing on our brand new permanent stage as well. So praise God for that. It's very exciting. Those of you that are sitting in this section, there's about 30 of you that are sitting what used to be behind a wall six days ago. So praise God for that. The wall came down. We're excited about that. And I think it's God's sense of humor that the point of tearing the wall down was to make more space so that people don't have to sit in the lobby. Hello, those of you sitting in the lobby. We're really glad that you're here, right? Speaking, speaking of the mess. I mean, there was multiple days this week I just wanted to pull what's left of my hair out because I was so frustrated. It's so messy in here. It's filled with scrap lumber and sheet metal and dust and drywall dust. It's just a mess in here. And then I, we talked as a staff a little bit like, no, this is perfect. Church is messy because churches are full of people. And if you think that you have to hide that, then you've got the idea of church all wrong. This should be the safest place to be. And so if you're struggling with that today, if you feel like you have to keep the happy mask on today, God says rerouting. This is how the Apostle John puts it in 1 John chapter 1. Let's read this together. 
But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. When we live in the light, when we allow ourselves to be known, then we're able to be fully present with each other. And that's the second reroute. That's the second shift that I believe that God wants us to make this Advent season. From darkness to light and now from presence to presence. Do you see what I did there? I worked all week on that. Thank you very much, right? From presence to presence. So often this time of year, we talk about, right, two questions. What are you giving for Christmas and what are you getting for Christmas, right? It's all about the presence. But I wonder a different way to think about this. What if the most important gift that you could give this year was yourself? was your presence. I saw this video a couple weeks back, and it really shocked me of how simple it is, and yet profound. They found these couples at different stages of their relationship, some dating, some engaged, some married for a long time, and they asked them to look into each other's eyes for four minutes. I know, four minutes, right? Think about this. This video is fascinating. And as you watch this, ask yourself, how present am I? Am I fully present with the people around me this Christmas? Let's take a look. Okay, so we're going to partner up. And for the... The introverts like me are like, no, no, I don't want to do that, right? Here's the thing. Amazing things happen when we take the time to see another person, to be fully present. Now, I would find this, a the mustache was a little much. I don't know if I'd be able to handle that. I'd, I'd probably like break the crack up or whatever. Way bigger than this being about romantic relationships. Way, way, way bigger. This is about the power of relationship and the power of being present. I wonder if for some of you this morning, you're watching that and the Holy Spirit's going, rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. Like there's a little bit of conviction going on or a little bit of, I don't have that in my life today. In the world that we live in where we do more of this than this, that might be more needed than ever, right? Now, I'm not just talking about marriage. I'm talking about are you present with your small group? Are you present with your friends? Are you present with your kids? Whatever it is, it's the power of presence. Is there somebody in your life that every time that you're with them, no matter how five minutes or, or an hour, however long you spend with them, that they just make you feel like you are the most important person in the world to them? Anybody ever have that person? They just make you feel like a million bucks. Do you know how they do that? It's because you are the most important person to them. For that time, they're not kidding around. That's who they are. It's the power of presence. And nobody did that better than Jesus. Nobody did that better than Jesus, and it changed people's lives, and it all started on Christmas. Think about it this way. John chapter 1, verse 14. Let's read it together. So the word became human and made his home among us. The gift of presence. When you think about it, there's a lot of ways that Jesus could have saved the world. He could, he's God. I mean, he could have stayed in heaven and not have become a tiny baby in a manger. He could have just stayed in heaven and, like, zapped the world from a distance and, like, salvation for everybody, Right? He could have come as a conquering king and sat in a big temple on a giant throne and made all the, the people that needed healing come to him. And he'd say, well, you're healed and you're healed. I don't want to look at you. I don't want to touch you. I'm, I'm the king. I'm God, right? No, instead he put on street clothes and he walked among us so that you would know that the God of the universe has walked in your shoes so that you can take off the mask and be real because this is a messy 
place. Why would Jesus do that? I think it was so that he could look us in the eyes and say, I see you. I see you. One of Jesus' most famous miracles was with a leper, and leprosy was such a terrible disease. Not only were you sick and your skin and different body parts were literally just falling off and peeling off, there was this assumption out there as well, which was completely false, that if you just touched a leper or came close to a leper, that somehow that disease would transfer to you. And so when Jesus comes up and touches a leper and heals him, the miracle of the story is not that Jesus healed the leper. The miracle of the story is that Jesus touched the leper because nobody touched lepers. And I think that Jesus did that so he could look the leper in the eyes and say, I see you. I see your pain, and I see your brokenness, and I see your isolation and your loneliness, and I hurt with you. One of my favorite authors, Shauna Nyquist, she wrote the book Present Over Perfect, which is a great book, and she writes this. This is what we long for, to be seen for someone to understand the reality of what we're carrying, to sit with us in the pain, to not flinch or look away or pretend, to remind us that we are not invisible or forgotten. Some of you are so desperate for that today. And you're crying out, not verbally, but you're crying out for somebody to see you, to understand you. And if that's you today, I've got really good news. Nobody does that better than Jesus. Nobody does that better than Jesus. And just like the leper, he sees you right where you are, not where you should be. And then he calls us to do that for each other. Romans 13, back to Romans 13, Paul encourages us this way. Verse 14, he says, instead, clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, one of the most real, tangible ways that you and I can demonstrate Jesus' love to other people this Christmas season is to show up. It's that simple. In a world where we stay at a distance and we try to maintain relationships on electronic devices, the power is when you show up, is when you show up and praise God that you're that kind of church. A couple weeks, believe it or not, just a couple weeks ago was Thanksgiving. And a lot of you were here. We had our second annual Thanksgiving meal and uh, worship service. And you want to talk about a holy mess. It was, it was awesome, but it was a holy mess. This building, top to bottom and everywhere, feels like full at about 200 people. We had over 340 people here for the Thanksgiving meal and worship night. So praise God for that. That was awesome. <laughs> if you want to see people eating turkey in hallways and classrooms, I mean, it was just all, it was bananas. It was all over the place. and It was amazing. And one of the coolest things was, is that we were all together as a family. And a lot of you came on the bus. A lot of you we picked up from wherever you live or the shelter, and that's awesome. And I know for a lot of you, this was your Thanksgiving family meal. And I know for, praise God, and for a lot of you, I know, I follow you on social media, and you had six or seven Thanksgivings, right? And that's fine. That's great. But for a lot of you, this was it. But here's why you're an awesome church. Because even those of you that had six or seven Thanksgivings to go to that weekend, you showed up because that's what family does. Family shows up and sits across the table from people that you don't know and makes eye contact with them and treats them with the value and dignity of the fact that they are a human being with a story. Amen? Amen. That's what made that night cool. 
That's what made that night cool, is that you showed up. Family shows up, not just to eat. We show up for worship every week, and you show up to your small group, not because of what you're going to get out of it, but because the presence, your presence of being fully present, that's the greatest gift that you could give. That might be the most significant thing that you give to your family this Christmas season, is your undivided attention. Your undivided attention. Nothing could be more significant. And that's the final shift that I believe today that the Holy Spirit wants to to make to reroute us back to his heart. From darkness to light, from presence to presence, and finally from success to significance. In a few weeks, believe it or not, it's going to be 2019. And everybody's thoughts are going to turn to your New Year's resolutions. And of the most popular New Year's resolutions, which you hear all the time, is I want to spend more time with my family. I want to spend more time with people that are close. I want, to, I want to spend more time in my life on things that matter, right? And yet the voices of the world are so strong that call out <laughs> to us to say, climb the ladder, grow the business, upgrade the house, you know, change, chase titles or positions. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. It's just that they'll never fill your soul. And that's why Jesus is calling us to move from simply looking at life as success to significance, And we got a glimpse of that this past week. Chances are uh, that you've heard of the passing of George H.W. Bush this past week, and there's this fantastic uh, memorial service at the the cathedral. If you haven't had a chance to watch the funeral service, I would encourage you to. And hear me say this loud and clear. Way more than being about politics. Way, way bigger than politics. I love the analogy that the priest uh, used. Great sermon. Not bad for an Episcopalian, too. Really good job. Um, I love the sermon. And one of the analogies he used that I loved about politics is that for George H.W. Bush, politics was like a line in the sand that could be easily brushed aside when something of greater importance was needed. When we needed to unite around something bigger than even politics, he knew how to say, you know what? My political affiliation is not some impenetrable wall that I'm going to put between me and everybody else. My political affiliation is a line in the sand. Yes, we don't agree on everything. Yes, we have our different viewpoints and differences, and that's fine. But there are certain times where we must unite as a country and especially as a church to come together and unite around things that matter for a bigger purpose, for things that are going to matter forever, like love. And that's exactly what happened this past week. And for a few days, I felt like we were able to celebrate a man, an imperfect man, not a perfect president by any means, but a man that showed us what it's like to live a life both of, yes, success, but of significance. And what came up time and time again at the funeral was that he lived this life of significance. Those folks on the the video that were kind of funny were married for 55 years. George and Barbara were married for 73 years and they were still writing love letters to each other. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat or left-wing or white-wing. We got the whole bird here. This isn't about politics. This is about commitment. And we can learn something from that, regardless of what their political affiliation was. The lives that he impacted, the people that surrounded him that loved him. And just a word here, if you're like me, and sometimes in your life you get obsessed with what you're going to do, what you're going to do with your life and what job am I going to have and am I going to get this amazing career and all the, the what's in life. Time and time again, at the funeral of a former president and the leader of the free world, the focus was on who he had become and the development of his character. 
we would do well to focus on that as followers of Jesus and not be so obsessed with what we're going to do in our lives and become more focused on who we're becoming, the type of men and women of God that we're becoming. And it was so evident in the impact that he'd had on others. And at the end of the homily, the priest shared this story about the final moments of President Bush's life and his friends and family that were gathered, including his former Secretary of State, James Baker, one of his closest, dearest friends. And as you listen to this final story, consider a life of significance, not just success. Let's take a look. Becoming president could be called success. But if you're in the final minutes of your life and you have a dear friend that's willing to rub your feet and say that you literally changed their life. That, my friends, is called significance. And some of you are going to chase success your whole life and you're never going to find it because what you're going to find is that ultimate success is living a life of significance that's going to matter when you're gone. Nothing else that he did in his lifetime is coming with him except the love that he had in his heart for his family and his relationship with Jesus Christ. This has zero to do with politics and everything to do with what life is all about. <laughs> One of the most common questions that I'm asked as a pastor is, John, how do I know what God's will is for my life? How do I know if I'm on track? How do I, how do I know if I'm going the right direction? Know Jesus Christ and love people like he did. After all, no one lived a more significant life doing most of it in three short years than Jesus Christ. What if we spent as much time on ourselves and teaching our kids to live a life of significance and not just success? What if it wasn't about getting A's? What if it wasn't about making the all-star team or the traveling team? What if it was about learning how to be a decent and kind and loving and generous and servant-hearted human being? What if that was the most important thing you could pass on to your children? What if we spent that much time focusing on living a life of significance and not just success? And so as you consider your New Year's resolutions, as you consider your goals for 2019, consider what it would look like today to move from darkness to light, from presence to being fully present with people and moving from success to significance. Folks, don't just sleepwalk through the holidays this year. Consider what matters most. Or as Paul says in Romans 13, wake up. <laughs> wake up. Everybody say, wake up. Yeah. Wake up. The night is almost gone and the day of salvation is almost here. So wake up and start living for what really matters. Wake up and start living for the things that matter most. Darkness to light, presence to presence, and success to significance. Learn from the one that's gone before us, Jesus Christ, who washed his disciples' feet. Learn how to love people and serve people well this Christmas. And when we hit December 25th, your heart will be so full because it's never been about you. It's always been about others and being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing about it this morning. Let's close in worship.